Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. is going on y'all we are back it is another episode of no bets barred this time for ufc apex 67 nasodin imovav taking on sean strickland we get to end the year with a sean strickland main event and we get to start the year with a sean strickland main event does it get any better than that uh it oh, does. the sport's great connor <laughs> It does. We're at the apex. That's the only way that this gets better. Uh, cannot they wait. Two, two Sean Strickland events at the apex. Back to within back. Within the span of like five weeks. We close out 2022 with a Sean Strickland main event. We open it up with one as well. Both at the apex. Uh, if you're not aware, Nasudini Mavav was supposed to face Kelvin Gaslam in a middleweight matchup. Now he will be facing Sean Strickland in a light heavyweight matchup if i'm not mistaken it will be sean strickland's debut at 205 i i have to assume that's correct can you remind me uh as well connor because i can't uh you know the holiday fog was that last sean strickland fight particularly fun uh i personally uh i personally did not think so um mm. i do have a bet i'm gonna try and capitalize oh, on a bet on that uh, lack of excitement um, i've got a bet but uh Interesting. I mean, I know why it happened because Sean Strickland will just fight dudes, but interesting that this is the route we went here uh, with with the fallout of Kelvin Gastelum on Fight Week. It feels like Fight Week needed a replacement. Who's going to step in? Sean Strickland does not care. Like, let's let it rip. The man is always down for a fight. And to be totally honest, the way that I kind of see this matchup going sort of feel like it's just going to be 25 minutes of sparring for for Sean Strickland. It's going to be terrible. Uh see this is I I didn't when this when the news happened or whatever the Gaslam out I was like a lot of people were very sad like oh it's a terrible start to the year and I was I didn't really think too much of I don't care about Kelvin Gaslam. <laughs> Frankly, it's just we, like, we oh, already lost the people's main event. Shavkat Rachmanov taking on Jeff Neal. That is the fight that I was looking forward to. Well, that's where I'm going with this, Connor. Because oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I'm saying I didn't care when people were getting, you know, sad about this. And then I looked at it and I was like, Oh, I get why they're being sad. We're about to have Catlin Vieira versus Rocky Pennington as the new main event, because there ain't shit else <laughs> to put atop this card. And then the more I thought of then when they announced this, it was like with you on the oh we get sean strickland again fun and then it was like man what if instead of rebooking jeff neil shavkat mike heck and i have been talking about this i am a firm proponent that shavkat should have stayed on this card 
and he should have fought anybody. They they found a dude for Nasruddin Imovov. Find any warm body. It doesn't matter if they're ranked or not. Just somebody for him to style on, so you can get the people hype about this dude who's going to be fighting for a title sooner or later. You know that's this has happened. Habib fought people. Tony's fought Lando Venata on short notice. You just let him do his thing, and people can get hyped. And then when Kelvin falls out. We could have slid our way into Shavkat Rachmanov versus Nasanin Imovov. And that fight's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, I, I'm 100% with you because unless that fighter is going to be in the top five of their division, I think the outcome is just going to be the same if you're going up against Shavkat Rachmanov. I think he's yeah. just going to run through anyone. So just let him run through someone. Exactly. It doesn't. The, you build stars by just frequency. You just get people out there, get them showing stuff. We haven't seen Chavkat in a few months. Now we're going to have to wait for it. And this happens, and they could have easily just been like, hey, Shavkat, you go. You don't cut weight this time. Nasruddin, keep making the drop down. You're definitely going to have a size advantage. But like right now, frankly, I'm picking Shavkat to win that fight. And I think a whole hell of a lot of Nasruddin Imovov. Oh, there's no doubt I'm taking Shavkat in that fight. There there are few and far between people that I'm taking against Shavkat Rachmanov. Yeah, and th- my my point here, because I just did a series of, of pieces on fight promotion for year-end reviews, is just like, this is the difference between, a, between going through the motions and between promoting. Because we're now going to talk about this card, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but certainly from my stance, this is not uh, is not a banger, not a heater. Um, I'm not, not particularly looking forward to this one. This is you got to get one out of the system to kick the year off. You I understand. The year off, man. You know, it's it's just the starter. It's the the appetizer course. But I am not sitting here like tune in on Saturday. Let's go. Whereas if we had somehow backdoored into Nasruddin Imovov versus Shavkat Rachmanov. I don't care that this undercard is trash. I would be lit. I'd be like, dude, this fight is going to rule. And that's just the difference between going through the motions and actually getting people excited about your product on a week-in, week-out basis. Yeah. For me, I guess, uh, well, one, I just have to agree with you there. I mean, this for this being the first card of the year, I had much more difficulty like getting up, getting excited, doing the tape study, looking, you know, diving into the stats than I expected to. I feel like next week is really what's going to light a fire under my ass, really get me back into the groove of things with UFC 283 in Brazil. Uh, two, the new people's main event, the fight that I'm most looking forward to is uh, Umar Namagamedov, Hayoni Barcelos. Oh, uh, the, that's one of two fights, maybe three on this card that I'm like legitimately very interested in. I'm excited to talk about that one because... I have questions. This is side TV action. NFL playoffs on. I will have this on a side TV. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I uh, I don't have the. You know, maybe I should set that up. I've been meaning to get a second television for. Yeah, it's a necessity things, for a sportsman. But, but I just haven't done it. Maybe I can do that this week uh, as I'm as I'm. Well, speaking of football, we have the NFL playoffs this weekend, but we just crowned. I would say a new national champion in not college right football, though. but it's not. It's just new boss, uh, same as the old boss, Connor. It's just a repeat. The Georgia Bulldogs go in, and I mean, we just have to touch on it. Sixty-five to seven defeat of TCU. That's a big number. Biggest win in bowl game history. 
just an absolute bludgeoning. It was just pure dominance from kickoff to the final knee when the confetti started coming down. I mean, it was just, it was incredible to watch. You know, for me, you either want a really tight game that your team wins, but you're going to be sweating the whole way and that win feels that much better, mm-hmm. or just boat race them. Just blow them out of the water, make it look easy, and just assert your dominance. And that's what we got on Monday. Oh, man, I was ready to light up the cigars, the stogies at halftime. It was fantastic. I'm proud of you for waiting to feel that way until halftime because uh, <laughs> I, I, it was awesome. Everything you said is right. You want to win the close one or you want to just dominate. Uh, we got both. We got to win the close one in the semis in one of the most electric college football Great games playoff. of all time, Good frankly. Uh, and then we get this one. And it was – this was – the definition when they talk about coronations well this is just this is a coronation not really a sporting event this was it man because like i had some nerves coming into this game but you never know you never know you never know that i saw some stats floating out there about uh like on nearly two touchdown favorites in football games uh in championship games and how that has historically not been like a a really great place to be and you know, I was like, maybe we just have a huge letdown after the Ohio State. We escaped with one, and maybe we get thinking too much. And the TCU wide receivers, they're not Ohio State good, but our 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 backfield was so bad in that game, or our defensive backs were so bad. I was like, I don't know. I, I came into that game thinking two touchdowns was maybe too much. The first half would be really competitive uh, just to track me, and then the second half, our depth would, would win out. Uh, and then the first snap one, I don't know if you noticed this. Did you notice at the coin toss, uh, that the ref's hand was shaking? That man no. looks super nervous. Like he's on camera. His hand is shaking. It's like, he looks very nervous. And then I looked up and everybody on TCU looked shook, man. Every single one of them. I don't know if this is arm, armchair psychology or not, but from the first snap, all of my fear, anxiety evaporated. I was like, "Oh, Max Duggan is not prepared for this moment, man." It was that. It was that first sequence for TCU, and we just got a quick three and out, and then we go down and score. When I was like, "Oh yeah, Definitely like it's going to be one of those games." The all right, I'll give you one moment when I had like a touch of pause is when TCU gets the bomb, they score, they make it ten seven, and then we come out, and like as we come out, I was just like. All right, if we don't like say we go three and out here, that's when like I'll kind of come back to earth. We did not. We scored 17-7 and it was just over from there. I mean, at that point it was just kick your feet up and let's just enjoy the party cuz we well, are the kings of college football. Well, by definition, it was actually it wasn't fact over from there cuz after that bomb, they never scored again. They scored the one and that touchdown bomb was blown coverage. on a blown you coverage. You have that one play where you don't get have the blown coverage. You win that game sixty five nothing. Yeah. Like it's dude. Uh, they never the even crossed half field again. Uh, it was dude. It was they. They could not do anything. Someone said it perfectly at halftime. I believe it was David Pollock. It was just like you want to run tempo. You want to run hurry up. Well, you can't do that if you can't get a first down. And it's yeah. just like they they were so far out of their depths and. And I mean, congratulations to TCU on an unbelievable season. The Absolutely. fact that they even made the national championship is incredible. But Max Duggan did say one thing after the game. He was just like, this this game, the way that this ended isn't going to have any effect on this season. And it's just like, 
Yeah, it is, dude. Yes, it is. It has all the effect on this season, in my opinion. One, you lost the game. Like, you could have been the Cinderella story and been legends in Fort Worth forever. Two, there is no way you're not walking away from that, like, wow, 65 to 7. Like, wow, we got absolutely run out of the building. I refuse to believe that. See, we were discussing this very topic, me and my buddies who were watching it, and it's, I think maybe I agree with Max. Uh, because, because it's 65 to seven, right? Like, all right. So you're it, saying because it's so bad, you're just like, Whew. yeah, we just, exactly. It's, we you, did our best. Like we did, we hit the well, pinnacle of our season. Yeah, exactly. Cause I don't, I, I want to be really clear. I think that's the worst game TCU played all year by a lot. Um, not and just my, because we imposed a bad game on them. I also think they didn't play well either. It might've also been our best. Yeah. Oh, I, I was buff, about biggest to follow one up of the season easily our best national game. championship. Yeah. Biggest easily the best we performed so every beautiful. aspect of it. it so beautiful. But yeah, I kind of think I'm, I'm with him where it's like, we were debating. I was like, if you lose that, like the Ohio state game on a last minute field goal, that feels more. like that haunts you forever where you're just like this. You can think of the hundred different times where one inch, one play, one, one moment changed the trajectory of the game and the outcome in your life. You get boat raced 70 to two or what? It was never meant to be like, it, it was just never meant yeah, to be. It, we it's we just did like, it all right, as good as we could have. This wasn't going to happen. We yeah. were, and you know, I think that for initially it probably feels worse. We're just like, dude but i feel like pretty quickly you can just come to terms with we were out of our depth man <laughs> like we just got speed bagged and that's all right i can feel that a little bit i can i can see what you're saying there i do though agree with you that this changes the whole season in that the narrative almost immediately shifted after that game maybe correctly maybe incorrectly i still haven't quite figured out how i feel to like oh Georgia's Georgia was clearly the best team this year. We're like the Ohio State game was the de facto national championship. I saw a bunch of, you know, commentators come out and be like, Georgia was not playing their best. They slept walk in that game. To some extent, I agree, but I also am not entirely sure that that's true. But the beatdown we put on TCU and the fact that TCU actually deserved to be there sort of got washed away any of the criticism that came from the semifinals about our performance that we gave up 700 yards or whatever dumb number we did. So I do think that it really just solidified. We put a stamp on our season in a really definitive way. Oh, that that's an absolute fact. I mean, there's, there's no question at this point, we went 15 and Oh, there's only the second team in college football playoff history to do that. The first team to go back to back. I mean, the, the stamp was made Kirby freaking three teams have gone back to back in the history of the college football championship. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, uh, only one has ever three peated and I'm not even really going to count that 34, 35, 36 Minnesota. Uh, they didn't have to play a playoff. They played eight games every year. I'm not counting that. If if Georgia goes three peat next year, which they are now the favorites in Vegas to do so, I mean, I don't even know. I, I might just have to hang up, just retire as a Georgia fan. I'll never get better than this. And and Whoa. that is that's one thing that I want to say here. Uh, you know, ever since I joined the MMA fighting team, we've kind of uh, pushed the Georgia football into uh, the content a little bit, Good and enough. we've seen two national championships 
it is not always like this. Actually, it was never, it was never like, like this. this. It was all, we were always the team that came up short. Like we were always the team that got very close, but never got it done. I mean, just three years ago, we were getting run out of the building by LSU in the SEC championship game. Like 2020, we didn't score a single point in the second half against Alabama. Like these, like 2012, we come to a game. We come. Oh my gosh, the Tua game, second and 26. We lose in overtime in the national championship. You thought that was the end of the freshman off the bench because they benched Hurts. Oh my God. If we hadn't now won two, that whole game, um, I would have never gotten over it, ever. That game still hurts to think about, even with back to back natties. 2015, we're 4-0 going up against Bama. We're favored for the first time. Uh, first time a team has been favored against Bama in like eight years. Uh, I get offered $250 for my ticket. I'm a student at the time before the game. I say, no, I go in. Pours rain. Pours rain. Absolutely soaked to the gills. Uh, I leave one minute into the third quarter after a pick six by Bama, 38-3. to Like It's just like... Oh man, we have suffered for decades and decades. Like I, people that are new to this, I don't want you to get it twisted and think that this is just how it is. Like we're just the Patriots, and with this, just we never lose. Like this is uh, this is rarefied air that we're for experiencing. For forty right now. years, we did nothing but come up short, <laughs> yeah. usually in the like most grotesque and painful ways. Dude, it was, three years ago, the South Carolina missing the kick, like it's just. Oh man! Dude, the SEC championship game where we came up literally a yard and a half short of winning. Yeah, shout out to Malcolm Mitchell, 2012. Killed, absolutely killed me. We we were that weird SEC team where we won two SEC championships during the stretch of of the BCS, where even we won them, but we had other losses, so we didn't. Those were the times we didn't yeah. make the national championship game. Every other SEC champion just got a. Bit into the natty, and it was like, actually, no, Georgia found a way to thread that needle because they just can't do it. Yeah. So it isn't always like this. Hopefully, it continues to be like this. It may, be, it may never not be like this again, though. We may never lose again, Connor. Nah, dy- dynasties always fall. Hopefully, this one gets extended. Hopefully, it goes long. What I will say, Gotta enjoy it because right now we are in the good old days of Georgia football. If if I get up, to see up. 2050, I have a feeling in 2050 I'm going to be looking back on these times and be like, "Those were the good old days, man." Oh yeah, you remember how good we were? Burn the boats. We're never hunted. We're the hunters. Back to back, maybe a three peat. Who knows? Like these are the good old days. We've got to enjoy them while we've had them. A thousand percent. Let let me end with my favorite stat. Um, of all time, certainly of the last several years, Connor. Uh, we have more national championships than losses over the last two years. Unreal. So Unreal. I'm a big fan of us going 29 and one. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. <laughs> and and we're at the stage now where you're, where you don't rebuild, like you just reload. That's oh, all it yeah. is. Like, I actually think we have a really good chance to to three peat next year. I did not the think we was favorable. The schedule's yeah. favorable. Schedule's favorable. We're not lo- like we're we're probably going to lose ten people ish. Um, and the reality is like losing Stetson will hurt for you know the intangible reasons. But there's actually like a a fair argument that he is the third best quarterback on our roster right now. So could be the we case. Are probably improving. At- quarterback from a skill standpoint 
and we're not losing nearly as many people as we did last year. And the rest of it looks weaker. Like I'm sure teams will emerge, but the front runner to me is Caleb Williams and USC. Like that's the team that there's a, you know, okay, Caleb Williams is a dude. I refuse to be afraid of Southern Cal because it's Southern Cal. And why yeah. would anyone be afraid of Southern when it, Cal? When it comes to the teams, my roommate asked me that, who, you know, who's going to stop you guys. It's like someone will, someone will someone step will. up and be good. They, yeah, I don't know yeah. who it's going to be, but someone is going to be good. I'm sure uh, Ohio state, I'm sure Bam will be good, but there isn't, you know, they both of them are losing their franchise quarterbacks or whatever. So I, it'll be interesting. I'm sure it'll be compelling. I think we have a better chance to repeat this coming year than we did last year, which is saying something since we went 15 and 0. Well, hopefully they can do it. Hopefully they can make history. I cannot wait to watch it unfold. It's it's going to be fantastic, but we've got a lot of waiting to do before then. We have got 9 solid months uh before we getting to experience that all the way in September. And you guys don't come here for college football talk. You come here Are you sure? To talk about a little bit of mixed martial arts, UFC Apex 67. We have to. Can we make this our 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 quickest breakdown? Obviously, give the people what they want, but like I don't have much to say about most of these fights. We were talking off uh, in pre-production or whatever. I currently, as it sits, have six bets down. I have a seventh that I'm going to pitch to you to contemplate, and I have one half of a parlay. Uh, And even those, I don't feel good about these numbers. Like if I was being all the way smart, I would have like two and a half bets. If, if I was all the way smart, I would I would have two two bets in one parlay. Instead, I have ten and two parlays. So, let's dive right in. Freaking let's start wild with the main man event. to kick off the year. I love it. Love that energy. It is a light heavyweight bout with Nasadine Imavov and Sean Strickland. Right now, you can get Sean Strickland or Nasadine Imavov, whichever one you please, at minus one ten. The over under is set at four and a half, which is also going minus one fifteen each way. Uh, for me, I mean, I thought Imavov was probably going to beat Gaslam. I, I, I had a bet down on Imavov. Um, this feels like a step up in competition against Sean Strickland, but what has Sean Strickland been doing since the Cannoneer fight? Like, I mean, he, he's been riding motorcycles. Uh, he crashed one, though he didn't have any injuries. I feel like he's just kind of enjoying the holidays, just been doing his thing. Um, he's had a less than a week to prepare. Like, I, I can't really get a bet down on him uh is imavov like is imavov gonna do this like I, I don't think he's gonna be able to take it to the ground like sean strickland has good takedown defense over a big sample size i don't really know what's gonna happen and i contemplated putting a bet down and i said nope nope i'm just going to take the over I, i'm going to take the over here i mean strickland three of his last four have gone to five round decisions i mean he's a tough dude i know he got starched by alex Pereira, but everybody gets starched by alex Pereira. I feel like this is going to be like a 25-minute sparring match. Like I feel like it's going to be just the quintessential Sean Strickland, very close, tight decision. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I don't. I'm taking Imavov at the price. Uh, I guess is where I'll start. I can see the world where Sean Strickland just does kind of Sean Strickland-y things, but. I I got to be honest, I sort of feel like Sean Strickland has had a kind of a smoke and mirrorsy career. Maybe this is just recency bias because of how 
impossibly stupid his approach to Alex Pereira was, or the fact that, I mean, he was competitive with Jared Cannonier, but that was one of the one of the worst fights where stuff constantly happened that I've ever seen. It was not Rose Carla where nothing happened. They did a lot of stuff. And it still was just terrible. It was the same combination repeated ad nauseum to no effect from either side. And so it's like, yeah, you start looking at it. Brendan Allen's probably his best win. I mean, I guess maybe Jack Hermanson and a close fight. I, I, he's a high volume dude. Who's not going to really put a lot on you to finish you. And I came into this year, I did a little a little look back on my successes and failures of 2022. And I don't know if this is smart or this is dumb, but I've just decided that I, I don't default enough to the baseline principle that I believe fundamentally. And I say all the time, but I don't bet behind all the time. Athleticism is a freaking cheat code in this sport. Half the people in it, like aren't actually good athletes in the, in the broader sense of that term. They're just people who know how to fight. And so when you get hyper-athletes, those dudes can succeed to a very high level even if they actually suck at fighting. And when you get good athletes who are good at fighting, that's when you get really, really great fighters. And I think Imovov is a much better athlete than Sean Strickland. Um, I didn't love the Gastelum fight for him. Uh, I still would have picked... I still was picking him to win tentatively, but I couldn't bet on him just because... Gaslam's chin is so good that Imavov's kind of style of fighting, I had questions how that would hold up over five rounds against a dude he's not going to put away. Against Strickland, I think he's going to have that active jab going. Strickland's just going to do, do the pitter-patter thing. Imavov's going to hit him more. I think Imavov's going to be bigger, faster, stronger. And at even money, with Imavov actively being trained and you know, Strickland coming in on short That's the notice. biggest thing, right? Like, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Like, we, Sean Strickland, if you look at his Instagram since the Jared Cannon here fight, he's just like, he's riding motorcycles, he's mm -hmm. using his drone, like, he's, like, getting lost in the mountains. Like, he's just kind of fucking around, to be totally honest. Like, you can't think that he's in, like, a diligent cr training camp. Sure, he's probably working out. Sure, he's probably sparring. But, like, I cannot trust a dude coming in I mean, he's clearly not in like incredible shape because he needs it at at two oh five. Like, I cannot trust a dude with my money that like there is just a world of uncertainties surrounding him going into this fight. If I'm going to bet this, I'm going to bet on Nasuddin Imavov. Exactly, and I was just surprised at the odds. Frankly, I thought Imavov would be about the same that he was against Gaslam. You know, Gaslam he was like minus two ten. I kind of thought it would just be the same. Pick him. Ah, oh, give me Imovov. I'll take him. Um, and I also, I think, uh, I didn't really consider this because I sort of wasn't paying attention to this fight after they made it, and I made my initial thing. I think I'm going to take the over two and a half. Uh, it's minus two hundred five right now. I was looking for a second leg of a Whoa. parlay, and uh, over two and a half is minus two hundred five. I am going to take over two and a half minus two hundred five. Frankly, you could straight bet that, and I'd feel really good about straight betting. Over two and a half ski. I might just straight bet that. I might cash out my over four and a half and straight bet the over two and a half. Yeah. Um I'm I'm just gonna pair you the You got over that on two DK right now? Yep, it's on DK right now. Whoa. That number yeah. feels very low, right? Um 
for uh, yeah, for I'm actually going to place that bet as we speak on the show. You know what I think I'm going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm cashing out my over four and a half right now. Cashed out. Oh, I'm beautiful. going to take Nasruddin Imavov, and I'm going to take the the over two and a half. Glad you had way more bets than I did to start. <laughs> We're just adding more, baby. Let's. I go. mean, what what are we what are we here for if not for that? <laughs> or or do I wait and take a same game parlay of Nasuddin Imavov and the over two and a half? Oh no, I think I think you diversify your your options because I don't feel like massively confident in Imavov, but I do like him to win. Um, but yeah, the over two and a half number just looks juicy. I think you could play that straight, but I have one. I had an open parlay leg that needs some help. So we're going to talk about it in a little bit. So give me the over two and a half here uh, as a parlay piece. There was a world where I was just not going to play the main event at all. And uh, here now, we are. Ending now look up at with, you. Well, here's, here's why I feel good about this. Because in my opinion, the chance of Sean Strickland finishing Nasruddin Imavov is much, much lower than the chance of Nasruddin Imavov finishing Sean Strickland. So firm agree. So say we, you know, Nasruddin Imavov loses the fight. Uh, I feel like we're going to cash the over two and a half and Nasruddin Imavov is minus 110. You know, I'm, I'm looking at a small loss or there's a world where I get the over and, and Imavov and, you know, we're heading to the bank. But those have just been plays for me. Great shout there. Uh, um, I was looking for the alternate totals. Uh, I did not realize they dropped minus two hundred five to take ten minutes off of that. I'll, I'll I'll pay that price. It was very. That was just looking at the, the those odds were very strange because over four and a half is minus one fifteen, three and a half is minus one forty five. It's not even a huge jump down for the for the extra round. You losing thirty points and then another sixty to get it to two and a half. Uh, yeah, two and a half felt like the sweet spot. So that's where I'm at. I'm on Imavov. I've got the over as a parlay piece. And that's all we need to say about this main event, I think. That's all we need to say. Uh, yeah, I was going to say it should be a good one. I, I don't know if it's going to be good or not. We're, we're going to have to see. It's going to be interesting. To, it will be interesting to see Sean Strickland in there on such short notice. Uh, and back-to-back headlining, that's, that's pretty big stuff. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, let's move to the co-main event. It is a featherweight bout. Dan Ige, 50K, is taking on Damon Jackson right now. You can have, I mean, another close one. There's a lot of close fights on this card. Dan Ige for minus 125. Damon Jackson coming back at plus 105. Dan Ige lost four of his last five. Damon Jackson, four-fight win streak. But my thinking in this... The four, the four guys that Ige has lost to are, are top-tier dudes in the featherweight division. Evloev, Mamet, Zombie, Cater. The guys that Damon Jackson is beating, like you have to put some, you know, who they are fighting behind these. Like Pat Sabatini, we were both very high on Pat Sabatini. I mean, we got cheesesteaks uh, in honor of Philly that weekend. Didn't Philly work out let for us. down that weekend. Yeah, Philly let time. us down. Big time. Argueta, Kirk, Rosa, though. I mean, Ige's handling all of those. I mean, if he can, if Dan Ige can keep this off the mat, I think he is the much better striker, patient, great cardio, dog. Both these dudes are dogs, honestly. Um, I think this is a bounce back spot for Dan Ige. Back against the wall. If he loses, do like where do we go from here? Like, I feel like the career is really we're we're starting to have we go big to the PFL. Marks. That's where we go. Yeah. We we go to the PFL with a loss. Um, very close fight. I feel like this is a step down in competition for him. I, I'm going to take Danny Gay at, at very close odds. See, this is this is why I'm glad I ha- don't have the bet in because don't disagree with what you're saying uh, in principle. I will note just because the way you framed it of Ige's only lost to you know top tier, totally true. This is a step down for him. Damon Jackson ha- hasn't fought as many big name guys. His only losses, though, you know, in recent times, Ilya Taporia movie Kabila, yeah. those are extremely fine losses to have on on the old career. Granted, we can note he did get knocked out in both those fights. Ige uh, has just never been knocked out. The man can't be knocked out, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, I honestly kind of view this the same, right? Because I'm with you. If Ige fought those dudes, he's handling business that Damon Jackson did. If Damon Jackson fought the dudes Ige did, he's probably losing to Mofsar Avalov. And But if Ige fought Ilya Tapuria, Ige's losing to Tapuria. I feel like they're he, like right... Ronnie Jason, though? Yancey Medeiros? That's a long time ago, though. I feel like yeah, uh, Damon Jackson has a, is the, uh, is the a resurrection. <laughs> long long time ago is the tough, tough part of that. Uh, and so it's... I guess I should also throw this out there, even though I don't think this matters. Their head-to-head matchup, both fought Kevin Aguilar, Damon Jackson takes that L, then Ige uh, gets the dub. So there's this. <laughs> and that, that's some solid MMA math right there. Look, MMA math has never, ever dealt me a bad hand. I just wanted to put it out there. My thought is exactly where it comes down to. If this stays on the feet, Ige's better. 
Yes. If it doesn't, it's not. And I am really not sure that it doesn't stay on the feet. Statistically, Ige, not a great defender of takedowns. And practically, not like the best defensive wrestler. You go back and watch the tape. Damon Jackson isn't a great actual like technical wrestler, but he gets into good spots. He's powerful enough to just kind of make it work over some of these dudes. And here's the part of it, man. Here's the part of it that maybe this is me being stupid. Maybe this is me buying into the hype, but safe space, get it out. Since he became action Jackson, man, since the, the terrible tragedy with his brother, the way he fights now, he is, he is so in there and doing the thing. I don't want to go against. Yeah, that's a good point, but the, it is one fight sample size. Uh, but but that one fight, baby, he's, you know, we should have known right then. We talked about it afterwards. We would never bet on Philly had we known. And I, that energy is still there for me. Like, it's, I can't know. Maybe I just can't get it out of my head. But Damon Jackson, underdog price, this was the one I wasn't sure where I was going to go. But I got to commit to it for the last point of it, too. My birthday brother, me and DJ, exact same birthday. So nice. August nice. 8, 1988, baby. I'm, I'm on him. I'm going to take the shot. I was debating uh, when I was originally looking at the lines. I thought because Ige never gets finished, I was just like, I just get Jackson by decision. And it's plus 180 as it sits right now. I mean, also the fact that Danny Gay never gets finished and... In my opinion, he has a a cardio advantage in this fight. I mean, if you go oh, back sure. and watch that Argueta fight, like Damon Jackson really slowed in that third round. The Charles Rosas fight, uh, he didn't find a ton of success. Like, I feel cardio is on Ige's side, so it's really going to come down to those those first two rounds. I'm with you though. If it hits the mat, me holding a Dan Ige ticket, I will be fairly concerned. Yeah, I I'm with you on the cardio thing. I'm ultimately not taking the dis- by decision prop just because. You're not getting that much more. It's you know it's 105 for him straight, 180 by decision, and you know I'll just I don't need the headache. I'll I, by hook or by crook, any W I get, I get the plus money payout. So, Damon Jackson, I'm on it. All right, I love it. Action Jackson, let's keep it rolling. Let's move on to a so middle first head to head of the year. Yeah, let's do it, man. Boom. I'll take 50K. You got Action Jackson. Let's get it, man. Let's it should go. be a very close fight. Now, if Damon Jackson, say he comes out and steamrolls Ige, it's just like, man, well, Ige's heading to the PFL. Damon Jackson, 34, a renaissance. Um, like This this man is is really starting to impress. Uh, let's keep it rolling, though. Middleweight bout, Puna Soriano going up against Roman Kopilov. Right now, you can get Puna Soriano for minus 150. Kopilov coming back at plus 130. The over-under is set at two and a half. Right now, you can have under minus 145, over plus 115. Uh, I mean, in my opinion, this is just going to be a striker's delight. I mean, we've seen Puna struggle get, with getting taken down. Kopilov just likes to stand and trade. Uh, I think Roman is probably the better overall striker. Like, he's fast. He, he's got good hands, but... He's not that high volume. Like he, he, he's got the fast hands when he is throwing, uh, and then Puna makes up for it with the power. Like he has got heavy hands. He throws big, power big shots one for sure. Uh, he is very tough. He's he's got that Hawaiian chin, man. You cannot sleep on the Hawaiian chin. He's a tough dude. Um, yeah, man. I, I I went back and forth on this one, and then just after watching some tape, like if if this just stays standing, I, I think. Soriano is is really going to enjoy that. I mean, the the struggles that we've seen has 
that Maximov fight, like it looked like he was going to find the shot many, many times, but he just kept getting taken down. Like Maximov was just going, grinding. Eleven takedowns landed in that one. I think if it stays standing, I, I think I've convinced myself that that Puna Soriano is going to find the chin and, and he's going to be able to knock out Roman Kopilov. You know, you've done it today, so I guess I turned about to serve fair play. I had no intention of having a bet down on this fight. Um, I agree with your breakdown. I think the power advantage is huge here. Uh, I just don't really think much of Kopilov, also, if we're being honest. But... Then when I was looking, I was like, do I really want to lay minus any number on, on Puna? I don't feel great about it, but, you know, minus you want to know what I did? Six, ooh, okay. So DraftKings, DraftKings has has this. I, I took Puna Soriano finish only. So if it goes to the scorecards, I just get my money back. It's just a, a push, push. Um, at or, minus 175. It really didn't take much of a hit. I, like, I mean, I, that is a much better bet. <laughs> I understand that Kopilov has a decent amount of finishes on his resume, a lot of them coming in the fourth and fifth rounds, but I mean, coming up against, I, I don't see him as like a lethal finisher and going up against a guy who's never been finished. Incredibly in, durable. Yeah, in Puna Soriano, I, I feel confident that the way that Kopilov wins is just throwing that jab out, just outvoluming them, using that, that speed advantage that he does have uh, and pretty much just outpointing his way to a decision win. Uh, or I think, Soriano finds the chin. So I did take the uh the finish only. I am also on the under two and a half because that was my OG bet when I first saw it. I was like, man, I kind of think Soriano's just gonna knock him out. And I got it at a playable price. It's still there. Uh I took it minus 135. I yeah, I just I think Soriano's gonna gonna find it. You've sold me. I'm just gonna take Puna at minus one fifty. It's a sixty percent win prop, which feels if that's not like dead correct, uh, it's probably a little low. Like you could, you could, you could sell me that Puna should be minus two hundred or so. Puna so. has let me down before. I won't lie, he has let me down before. It's it's tough for me to feel confident betting on any man who lost to Nick Maximov, but you know, there you go. It, man, it is what, what it is. What a change of face for the MMA world on Nick Maximov. Yeah, I, I never bought in. I'm not gonna lie, never bought uh, in. But man, some people thought this dude was the future. As a general rule, I don't buy into um, you know anybody that their their claim to fame is they train with Diaz's. So, yeah. uh, um, all right, so that's what we're going with. I'm going to uh, you know I just need the nice double hitter. Puna gets the knockout. If Kapilov wins, you know my my losses are are softened because of or I mean if Kapilov gets the decision, my losses are softened because of the uh finish only prop. But uh yeah, that's what I'm riding with. Should be a fun one. I will say that. I think it's going to be a fun fight. Um but let's keep it rolling to a very fun fight coming up next. It is a women's bantamweight bout, Ketlin Vieira taking on Raquel Pennington. Right now you can have uh Ketlin Vieira going the at the uh, main event. Yeah, minus one twenty, Pennington coming back at plus one hundred. The over under is set at Two and a half. I mean, it's just fight goes to a decision. Minus 300 fight doesn't go. Plus 215. Uh, I thought about it. Thought about doing something here. And then I was like, I just shouldn't. I just shouldn't. <laughs> I, this, is a, this is a coin toss fight in women's MMA. Uh, almost positive it's going to be a decision. Uh Going to be a bold, ton of clinch work. Bold choice from you, good sir. I mean, can you just say. see it now? Just like a, just back and forth. You know, one one of them has their back against the fence. Flip it. You get knees thrown. 
striking numbers are just like identical. Like you, you really don't confidently know who won. You're gonna cry robbery if if the person that you bet on lost. Like it's not gonna be a fun fight. You're gonna be sweating as they as they're announcing the scorecards, and it's just it's just not gonna be an enjoyable experience for you. Uh, so I decided to stay away. All I am on is the over two and a half in a parlay. Oh, well, I mean, look, the over two and a half in a parlay is a a great parlay piece. It's in fact, the exact parlay piece I was mentioning earlier. So I'm now paired that up with the over two and a half in Strickland Imovov that pays out a minus 111. Nice. Uh, Minus 111 is a good price for that, I think. Totally not bad. I thought about doing just goes to decision because it's minus 300. So I get you to um, like basically right on even. Um, but just give me the over two and a half. I'm trying to be simpler with my bets, not get too tricky. Feel like I exposed myself with a little bit of trickeration last year. I'm gonna try and lower that some. But look, you're right. This is gonna be a clinch fest, gonna be a grind, not gonna be a ton of huge moments. Uh I also, because I'm just recognizing this, uh, I want to throw out that Ketlin Vieira's average fight time is 15 minutes and 27 seconds. So it's actually over the 15 minute time limit. So feels confident. Uh, feel good fact, about this going to decision. The fact that her last two fights are main events is crazy. If she wins this, she's fighting Amanda Nunes for the Bantamweight tag yeah. title. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. But speaking of Amanda Nunes, Raquel Pennington got the shit beat out of her by Amanda Nunes, but... That's really the only people she's lost to are the elite of the elite this division. You know, Holly Holm twice, Jermaine Durand to me, Amanda Nunes. That's it. And Kellen Vieira's maybe there, but I actually think this is a very good style matchup for her. Yes, there's going to be a lot of clinch work. Pennington is pretty strong in the clinch, and Vieira's not good. So I don't think she's going to score a ton of takedowns on Pennington. Uh, I think the clinch will just be a bit of a net even, and it, but at range, I think Pennington is a is just a better boxer. I think she's got tighter tighter mechanics, better work all around, a little higher volume, better defense. It's small edges, but this fight is at worst fifty fifty, and I actually favor Pennington by just a just a little bit. So getting Pennington at a plus number, I take it. Gonna just go ahead and take it. Give me Rocky. Rocky Pennington uh, plus oh, one. Oh, you took it. You yeah. took it. Wow. Took her, took her straight up. So that's gonna uh, be a that's just gonna be a a sweat fest. If you go back and look at Ketlin Vieira, like a, her last fight, split decision. Fight before that, forty eight, forty seven. Fight before that, twenty nine, twenty eight. Fight before that, twenty nine, twenty eight. Like she just she is makes a habit of fighting in incredibly close fights. Another split decision, twenty nine, twenty eight. It's like. She is, uh, it is a, it's, I just have a feeling this fight is going to be very close. I mean, you know, could take a look at split decision odds. Uh, if you're, are you feeling frisky? I don't know how frisky I'm feeling. You give me like a <laughs> plus 800, we could start talking, but if it's like a plus 250, I am out. Pennington is plus 800 by split or majority. Vieira oh, I plus can't choose a side. Yeah, I can't yeah, choose yeah. a side. I have I'm trying no idea to see what's where. Happen where they have this by determination but yeah it's um you know i understand that's smart it's very smart of you i'm not going to be smart give me the plus plus one hundo on rocky pennington yes to, enjoy uh, 
Because here's the part you didn't factor in, Connor. It's the last thing I have to say on this fight, frankly. Uh, women's Bantamweight is a terrible, horrible division. And so you have to factor in that the funniest outcome will happen. And it's that the only person who remotely could be a sellable, sellable's even a stretch, but could be like a realistic title contender for Man Nunes is obviously going to lose this very tough fight. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to this one. It's going to be great. Can't wait. Uh, we'll see you Saturday. I'll be thinking of you as it's going on. Let's get to the last fight on the main card, the People's Main Event. It's a bantamweight bout. Umar Nurmagomedov taking on Hayoni Barcelos. I mean, my lord, does that name carry some weight? Umar Nurmagomedov opened up at minus 200. You can now get him at some books well over 1,000, minus 1,000. On DraftKings, he's currently minus eight hundred. Hayoni Barcelos coming in. A bit of movement. A bit of movement coming back at plus five seventy five. Fight goes to a decision minus two twenty five. Fight doesn't go plus one sixty five. I mean, here's like just a a simple breakdown. We have spoken the gospel of Hayoni Barcelos on this show. I mean, he has done nothing but perform mixed martial arts at the highest level his entire life. Brazilian wrestling national champion, just like beautiful striking. Like I, I will really enjoy watching Hayoni Barcelos fight. Very tough, great jujitsu, uh, beautiful takedown defense, 93%. Um, like I think Umar Namagomedov is going to win. I really do think he is the truth. He's probably going to make it fairly clear, but like, is he going to make it minus eleven hundred clear? Like, like when I'm betting a minus eleven hundred, which I almost never do. I I really can't even think of a reason at this point to to parlay up Umar. Like I need it to be like Jelton Almeida levels, like where I just know this dude is going to come in and get the finish, or like just crazy mismatches. I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Umar Nurmagomedov wins, but like, at what point do we just take Hayoni Barcelos? You can get Hayoni Barcelos at a, at, at bet online right now for plus 800. That's a big, big number. That's a huge number. Should this man be a plus 800? I don't know. Here's the thing. I, this this is just a stay away for me. Um, yeah, I love this I mean, fight. Like, this fight is awesome. Yeah, it's going to be sick, I think. I don't... And for a brief moment looking at this fight, I was like, I you could convince me to take a dog shot here. You know, plus 600, big juicy number. Hany Barcelos, really good fighter. Umar, very, very good fighter. But maybe this is kind of the setback moment where... Howney's very good at stopping the takedowns. Umar doesn't necessarily need them, but his game, it is the straw that stirs the drink, certainly. So where are we going? But the problem is, plus 800 seems huge. It's 10% win probability. If they fight 10 times, maybe, maybe Howney wins one, maybe wins two, but I can't even feel confident in those things. Like, I... I can't feel good about laying this big a price on Umar because it's just like, why would you? But I don't even, I need it to be, if it's a thousand, okay. I don't think at 800 I'm on it though yet. So just, this is just a stay away for me and enjoy the hell out of this for what it is, which is a damn good fight. If, if Hayoni Barcelos hits plus a thousand, do we have to play him? If he gets to a thousand, I'll play him. That I feel that, that, because the concern for me is always, 
And I know that actually statistically the difference between eight and a thousand isn't like huge, but it definitely feels really big. And it's just when we're talking huge underdogs, it's just it feels tough for me to I don't feel confident in my assessment of how much value exists here. So, but if he gets to a thousand, that number is just so big. It's like, yep, yeah, all right, let's do it. That that number can't be right. So, um, you know, hundred bucks, pay my pay my rent for the month. Down down for that if he gets up to a G. But for for anything less, I think I just have to stay away. I mean, dude, I saw a bunch of people freaking out about the Charles Johnson Jimmy Flick line movement. Like it was kind of a soft opener at minus one thirty five, and it just tanked down. Like I, I do understand the concern. I mean, Umar Nurmagomedov opened minus two hundred, and like we're talking about minus like. I I guess they just know something, or people are just dumping money on Nurmagomedov. I do think there's a difference in that. I totally understand this line movement. I might not agree with it because I'm I'm not betting Umar. At this price, I'm not betting. I'm not keeping to dump money on it, though. I'm sure that's what happened. If you gave me Umar at minus two hundred, that is a, a whoever opened that was not doing their job because that's just not like I would have I would have hopped on that. Uh, but I get it. There's the name, the the flick Johnson stuff. That feels more like uh, why is anyone dumping money on Charles Johnson? You know? Yeah, uh, I understand the. I understand the optics, though I don't actually think that that's really any shady stuff going on there. But like, I don't think so. Either. This makes a lot more sense to me why this line plummeted than the Johnson Flick one necessarily did. So I get it. MMA lines are crazy, man. I I did parlay up Umar last week. Uh, he was at minus three fifty though. Then when I much parlayed much him better up. price that that is kind a very of what I thought it price. was going to be at. It's kind of what like I thought. I was like, yeah, we might get to like minus five hundred, minus five fifty, because he's a Nurmagomedov. But man, minus eleven hundred—that's a—that's a crazy number right there. Henry Barcelos plus a thousand. I, I think I just had to play it out of principle. Plus a thousand. I'm. I am in fact playing it out of principle. But like, here's for context, right? Like Nate Maness, not nearly the fighter. How many Barcelos is Nate Maness isn't a bad fighter. Minus nine fifty. Brian Kelleher. Not as good a fighter as Hany Brasellos, minus nine hundred. Sergey Marozov, minus five forty. Like this feels like it is just the name, the performances he's delivered, the belief that he's the next dude, and it's it kind of doesn't matter who he's up against. You know, I think yeah. that I think that this is just they they're gonna bet him uh, until he fights a top ten bantamweight. They're just the the, the book's just gonna move on him aggressively. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where we're at with Jailton. Jailton next I mean, week yeah. minus nine hundred, under uh, under one and a half is minus three hundred. Like they're just like you're not playing this, like unless you really want to pay for it. Uh, all right, let's move to the prelims. Let's run through them. Middleweight bout: Abdul Razak. Way Hasan. more prelim action on than I do, so this is oh, largely uh, going to be the Connor show moving on. All right, all right. This won't take long then. Uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan going up against Claudio Ribeiro. Uh, right now, you can have, I mean, a, another just like very close, closely lined fight. Uh, right now, you can have Ribeiro for minus 115, Abdul Razak Al Hassan for minus 105, over under set at one and a half, under minus 220, over plus 180. 
kind of agree with that over under. I mean, this just feels like a one hitter quitter. Just get in there, two wild strikers, two big KO power punchers, and and someone is just going to fall. Al Hassan has never won outside the first round. Ribeiro, all ten of his wins are by KO. Eight of them in the first round. Uh, I mean, I think they're just going to come in here, chuck them, and someone's just going to fall down. Um, and in that case, very close odds. Can't really trust, in my opinion, I can't really trust Razak Al-Hassan. Uh, Ribeiro's going to be younger, faster, bigger. Yes, less experienced, no doubt. I do agree with that. Uh, he does have a tendency to sometimes keep his hands down low, which does worry me. But I took him at plus 105 last week. Ribeiro? Yeah, I think they're just going to come in, throw, and, and I think he's going to find the chin of Al-Hassan and put him out. Oh, God, this makes you feel so good. I did not get him at plus money, so this is not a Wolfpack wager. But I'm with you on Ribeiro. I would have gotten it close. I mean, yeah, you can get him like minus 105 a couple books right now. Uh, I got him at minus 110. So he's just just to pick him. Um, I did not have a plus money option available to me. But yeah, he's uh, it's just kind of with you all the way. I was pretty surprised how close this line is, especially when you factor in. I mean, one in four in his last five for for Razak Al Hassan. Like he's thirty seven, slower. I know Ribeiro hasn't beaten a bunch of world beaters, but he has largely looked good in his victories. He's done yeah, like what you're supposed to do <laughs> against that. You know, Razak Al Hassan is was never really like that fast, and he's just only getting older. Yeah, older. It's just I think I think the speed advantage is for sure in Ribeiro's favor. Uh, and they both hit really, really hard. You know, my, I mean, size too, dude, he's three inches taller and has a four inch reach advantage. Like he's going to be the bigger guy in there. Going to be, going to be the bigger dude. I mean, there's maybe a marginal concern just because Abdul Razak Al-Hassan has only been knocked out once, but we're talking chaos. Williams dude has big, big power, but I feel like Ribeiro can bring the same sort of force to bear. So I thought Ribeiro would be a much bigger favorite, particularly given the skid Razak Al-Hassan's been on. So, uh, honestly, this felt a lot like my main event thought of. I thought this would be closer to minus two, minus 250. I'm getting, I got pick them odds. Give me the pick them odds. Give it to me. Take it. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. All right, let's keep it rolling. A lightweight bout. Mateus Rebecki going up against Nick Fierro. Right now, you can get Rebecki, the, the Polish man, for minus 730. Fierro at plus 530. Kind of interesting that we have four or five fights that are lined minus 110, minus 115s. And then we also have three or four fights. You got minus 730, minus 800. You've got some minus 340s, minus 360s in there. Like, an odd mixture. Only only Sajara Eubanks is in the is in the minus two hundreds right now. Anywho, anywho, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Fiorel might be in 
in over his head in, at this point. I mean, he's 6-0, and yes. Four of his opponents were under 500, and we get to go back to the well because two of his six wins are against the legendary Jay Ellis. If you, if you don't oh, know Jay, Jay Ellis. I didn't even look this up. <laughs> if you haven't been listening to the show, I Jay Ellis. I can't believe I didn't look this up. An absolute legend. 16 and 106 all time. I mean, the streaks this guy has been on losing, it's just unbelievable. Do you know? We'll never forget. We'll never forget. We'll never forget the win over Gerald Mearshart, the the career night for Jay Ellis. Look, uh, every time people start to talk about Gerald Mearshart, it's like, ooh, he's frisky or fun or good at fighting. I'm like, excuse me. He's one of. He's one of a, a very elite 16 people, uh, and that's not a group you want to be a part of. Not not the jail's victim list. So, I mean, this guy was just getting in the ring for years at a time. Like he went he went from May of 2009 to April of 2012, just racking up losses. He lost oh 18 times in that span. Like, wh- at what point is it just like I'm just gonna hang it up? I'm just gonna hang Never. it up. He just he does it for love of the game, dude. I can't. Got to be like when he talks, he's got to be like punch drunk. Like it's got to be because he like he's not just losing, dude. He's getting finished in the first round in yeah, almost every, every single one of these. Bob Sappin has like there. an agreement. A lot of them. Had, never mind. Never mind. I was gonna say a lot of them are are subs. A lot of them are knockouts too. No, like yeah, first round. Has anyone seen this man fight? 72 submission losses. See, that's where I wonder. Like, does he just have an agreement where he's just like, all right, take my back, choke me out, I'll tap immediately. I'm certain it's just that he's bad. And that's okay. You know, sometimes you're just not good. You just get out there, you learn. And 106 bad. You, like, Look, no one JLS life is about been to like... have a turn, a career renaissance that you, you're just never going to believe. Him and Damon Jackson, late career surges <laughs> incoming. This dude has fought 122 times, and he's been to a decision just four times yeah. in his career. The man gives you value for money. He is going to come out and 13 get her. 13 submission get, wins. Get her, get God, baby. Wins. Get her, get God. Uh, I'm glad you brought this up. I will peel back the curtain. I didn't look at this right because there's no world in which I'm going to lay minus 730 on, on a shot. back here. Whatever. And I was like, this card isn't very good. I don't really want to do the study here. I'm looking at it now. God, I love one of the reasons I love this sport is that it's a comical nonsense show. And Nick Fior fought JLS in his pro debut, knocked yep. him out in 50 seconds at Combat Zone 73. Yeah, we're gonna need to run that one back. God love Combat Zone. What a <laughs> farcical place that is. Uh, and then CES. Like a, a legitimate promotion, CES isn't like it's not you know a world beater, but that is a competent, realistic promotion that has been around for years, does fine stuff, uh, regional show, and then they're like, I know you just knocked this dude out in fifty seconds. What if you knock him out again? Um, you know, do you mind doing that for us? Did a year and a half later, he improved in that time. He made it to the minute twenty nine mark. But Jesus, what are we doing? Then he's got a three and nine win over Jerome Mickle. And then his win to get into the UFC combat zone, the most nonsense organization in the world, other than maybe explode fight series, a five and 19 dude. 
He beats a five and nineteen guy to get his call up to the to the UFC. What are we doing, people? I mean, I I like I honestly don't know. I mean, especially because JL has just lost seven straight fights in between the fifty second knockout. Uh, I mean. <laughs> It's it really is just crazy, and the fact that like he fought Jay Ellis in January of 2020, and then fought Jay Ellis again in August of 2021 is is just crazy to me. I mean, Fiero he he hasn't been longer than he hasn't even reached the four minute mark in a fight. He's been he's just crushing cans like that's essentially all he's doing here. Going up against a guy in Rebecca who all of his four of Jay of Fiero's wins are against people under 500. All of Rebecca's 16 wins, he's fighting real opponents. They're all over 500. Like he has fought he's some never, good. He has never fought someone who didn't have a winning record. Yes, like he's he's fighting good dudes. He's you know he's fighting a Magomed Magomedov, not double a, Magomed. Yeah, not the not of our fame, but still a uh, a Magomed Magomedov. Like he's he's fighting really solid dudes. Gets like an impressive win on on the contender series like i i trust him to come in here and get this done i think he is likely just going to finish Fero in the first round i am on the under one and a half i'm on rebecca inside the distance and i parlayed up uh fight does not What's go Rebecca inside the distance i took it minus 185 i want to say that's yeah. that's still hanging around somewhere it's minus 225 uh, on dk yeah i'm just not i'm gonna stick to my guns of I'm sure he's going to win because why wouldn't he? But I can't have any level of confidence because who who the hell knows? That's true. Who the hell does know? Probably not me. So when Firo wins by decision. I'm trying to make less just reckless bets this year. That, That's a good this call. plan is not going to hold up for longer yeah. than three events. I honestly don't I'm think trying. this is that reckless. I really have no faith in, in Firo coming in here and. I mean, maybe he starches him. I don't have any faith in him coming in to get the finish. Like, I, I he very well could. Uh, Rebecca's like a very good fighter, but I don't know. Them New England cartel boys, tougher than $2 steak. So, like, maybe, maybe he just styles on him for a bunch. Who I just, I'm not going to bet on something I have really, is totally a guess on my part. Uh, all right, let's keep it rolling. Men's bantamweight bout. Someone, oh, someone's O has to go. Mateus Mendonca going up against Javid Basharat. Uh, right now, you can get Basharat for minus 350, Mendonca for plus 290. Uh, I mean, we talk about crazy records. Mendonca coming in here. Mateus starts the pro career with a bank. Seven fights from July to December of 2019, I believe it was. I mean, that's that's a lot of pro fights. Wins them all. Wins them all in impressive fashion. He's got power. Uh, he's only 23. Like, I feel like this is, this is a little bit of, they don't bury the lead. Those seven pro fights or they came when he was 19, 18, 19, you know, which I mean, he's a dog dude. I mean, that's, that's, that's a crazy mentality to do that. He is still really young. Like, I feel like this is kind of a tough test for him to, to get his start in the UFC. Like Basharat, a lot of people were calling him a can crush early on, but like his last four fights have been against pretty tough competition and he's looked good. Like he showed cardio if he, I think if he avoids the power shot, he, he's likely going to win. Is the price completely justified? I I can't say for certain uh, against a guy that can put you out at any time in Mateus, but I feel like Basharat probably gets this done. I, I did parlay him up with that Umar Nurmagomedov that I mentioned earlier. Mm, uh, yeah, this was just another stay away for me. If I'm picking, I'm probably picking Basharat. Um, 
because you're he's, taking a smart approach here. Really good, but I I wanted to do a a Mateus parlay, but then I would never parlay Mateus Matoka at plus three hundred or whatever, uh, just for the gimmick of it. And I was like, oh well, if I can't do the Mateus parlay, then no. Nope. What's the point? Yeah, what's we'll the point? There's no point at all. Uh, let's keep it moving. Finally, I mean it's it's been almost a year, and we are back. It is a men's flyweight bout. Allen Nascimento taking on Carlos Hernandez. Yep, you can get Nascimento for uh, minus three forty. Hernandez coming back at plus two eighty. Who cares? The over under set at two and a half. Over minus one seventy five. Under plus one forty five. Break it down for the people. Tell me, how does this under two and a half hit for us? Okay. Um, we have to have a talk, Connor. No. We have to have one. I'm not going to do it. It's, we're just, look, I'm, I'm going to lead off by telling you the bet that I've made. I've taken the under two and a half minus 180. I'm, I'm riding with the flyweight unders because that's what we do here. It's, we're Whoa, wait, you took it at minus 180? It's minus 180. What? Is its current stance. Nascimento Hernandez. Let me confirm that that, yeah. Where? Oh, sorry, under two and a half plus 145. Sorry. I'm I was sorry. Looking at the other I side. was about to say. Um, um, but yeah, I, I don't feel great about this one, man. And we got another one coming up that I don't feel great about. And I just, I'm riding with it. But I have concerns that what if flyweight unders was a 2022 thing? What that, if it's that that a thousand percent crossed my mind? It could be, and this is so. I, I wanted to pitch to you. We've got two to start the year right here. Yeah, I'm riding them. I want to see if the magic's still there. But if it is, if it was just a 2022 dream to live, maybe this is the bellwether for us. Maybe this lets us know we go zero and two on flyweight unders here. Maybe this lets us know that they aren't the dream bet for 2023 and we have to find the new yeah. one yeah. for the year. Yeah. Cause you, you don't want to go to the old gag. You want to skate to where the puck is, not where it was. So I, I just have some concerns here. I'm with you. I'm on it. Listen, I actually, I actually love that you brought this up because I am a little bit concerned and we actually have in the next fight, um, something that we can get into. Here's what I say. We do. We take these two. We, we take these two that we're both pretty concerned about and then next week for the flyweight championship of the world, I'm, I'm not oh, going that's to, it. I'm not going to not take a flyweight under in the flyweight championship of the world. That's, that's just not who I am. Okay. That's just not we're, how we're my made character of better works. Stuff. I mean, we, we are men, men of integrity. I, I know it, it could, it could have been a 2022 bet. I don't know. We're going to have to let the science speak for itself. But I'm not going to sit on the sidelines for the flyweight championship of the world. I, I promise you that. So here's what we do. Just as a teaser, under four and a half plus one thirty on that fight as it sits at the moment. I'm going to have to take it. Going to have to take it. It could have been minus five hundred. I still would have uh, been forced to take it. So I feel like the only way we get this Nascimento one is probably by Nascimento sub. Uh, Seems the m- most likely chance for us. Fourteen of his nineteen wins. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to get it to the mat. Does he get the submission? I don't know. Hernandez has decent BJJ skills. That's just tough. Yeah, it's tough. I think Nascimento gets it done. I'm going to say he gets it done by sub. I, I did parlay him up. That finishes the the Basharat Umar 
parlay. Okay, a little three, three legs, little three plus legs, one tripod. And of course, yeah, I'm on the uh, the under at plus one forty five. So fingers crossed that flyweight unders that the magic continues. Here's what we say. Here's what I say. I say we take these three flyweight unders. We got these two. We got the championship. We come out ahead. We know the flyweight unders still have the magic in them. Come out behind. We maybe have to reevaluate where the flyweight under train goes from here. So we'd have to go two and one then. We would we would need to go two and one. Can certainly be done. Three and zero. Oh. I think we can clearly say when we go three and zero, oh, flyweight unders never lost the juice. They're here to stay forever and ever. But certainly zero oh and three to start off twenty twenty three. That would give me a lot of pause about about. Now there would be forward. no pause. Uh, there would be a funeral for flyweight That's unders. True. They would officially be dead in the water. True, but I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to choose to. Well, we're going to see. We're going to see one and two. Asimento. One and two. We're going to have serious questions. We're going to have. We're going to have to really look inward and and see what we're going to go from there. Soul two search. and one. Two and one. We continue them, and uh, it would actually be kind of great if uh, they went one and one this week, and then the flyweight championship oh, of the world oh, decided whether we continue. That I think that's what we do. If they go one and one this week. We decide whether flyweight unders continue based on the flyweight championship of the I world. That's that. just too perfect. Uh, if they go on two this week, probably out regardless. But I'll still take the the flyweight championship. Yeah, give me a nice one and one this week. Uh, so let's just move on to the next one right now. As we go through it, Jimmy Flick, Charles Johnson, flyweight bout. You know what it is. Line's been blown up a little bit. Charles Johnson minus three forty. Flick plus two eighty. Um, yeah, I mean, this one, like, I feel a little bit better about Flick. Four of his five losses are by KO. Charles Johnson has been known to uh, knock people out. Flick, pretty much, if he's going to win, it's going to be by sub. 14 of his 16 wins coming by way of submission. Um, so, like, there, there is real opportunity here. Uh, but here's the thing. Charles Johnson has has failed us on flyweight unders he, twice. He in- is an enemy of the state. Twice sure. in a five-month span, and if he does it for a third time, especially at this price, which I took it at minus one seventy, like if he if he fails us at this, I'm I'm, I'm taking minus one seventy on a flyweight under, and if he fails us for a third time, for a third time in a six-month span, I mean, you talk about enemy of the state. We're talking yeah. about we're talking about no bets barred, most wanted, number one on the list. Mr. Charles Johnson. Like we if this one goes over. Yeah. Oh. It's it, it's tough, man. Uh and I think this one, I mean it could, but I I don't know. Johnson is so my issue with Johnson is that if it, you gotta watch how the fights have unfolded too. Cause you know, him going to the cards against Muhammad Makayev, uh against um Zalgus, what I I can't remember the how to pronounce that man's name off the top of my head. It's Zumagulov. Zumagulov. There you go. Is just aggressively, aggressively, defensively responsible. Just not going to give up anything that he can, and he's going to fight tooth and nail. And while that's good for being a fighter, it's terrible for what we want here. Uh, I got a lot of concerns, but. I'm choosing to believe. I almost took a shot on Jimmy Flick just for funsies, but I can't. You're going to do that? Yeah, I would say do Jimmy Flick by sub. 
Oh, well, yeah, I, the, there's no line out there. Um, but, yes, at some point. But, yeah, I, there's just a pass, but you take the under. You hope we've already talked about it. Don't need to go into it any further. All right, let's move on. Final fight on this card. It is a women's flyweight bout. Priscilla Cachoeira taking on Sajara Eubanks. Can't believe I'm about to say this, but you can get Sajara Eubanks for minus 240. Priscilla Cachoeira coming back at plus 200. The over-under set at 2.5. Under minus 155. Over plus 125. Um, so what I did is took an alt over. Over 1.5. Minus 155. I mean, you're giving me a women's MMA fight. I'm getting the over one and a half at a playable price. And Cachoeira, five of her eight UFC fights, gone over the one and a half. And then Sajara Eubanks, like, I mean, just come on. Like, nine of her ten have gone over the one and a half. Eight have gone the full three rounds. She's also the minus 250 favorite. If she's going to try and win this fight, I think she's going to try and depend on the wrestling racking up control time. Um, I just can't pass up on these odds of, of an over one and a half at a playable price. That is a very playable price. I love. I, I like that bet a lot. My last bet of the evening. I am here. I took as stupid as it is. I took Priscilla Cachoeira. I don't um, think it's that stupid, dude. Sajara Eubanks is seven and seven, and she is minus two fifty going up against someone who does have that finishing capability. And as we learned in the Jin Yu Frey fight, she has an ability to get the optics of the judges on her side because she's so violent and and aggressive with the way she throws her punches. And uh, optics is the right word for my thought process here is, look, she has lost to some not great people for being real. Um, but I mean, she also lost to some very great people, but she, when she fights, she looks like she is fighting. She looks like she is trying to hurt you because she is. And that is not Sajar Eubanks's game. Uh, I think Casuera is not a great defensive wrestler, but she's competent. Um, and Eubanks, is getting a little older coming off that that tough loss there to Gato. It's just I don't have any belief in Sajar Eubanks. This is a much more of a fade of Sajar Eubanks than it is, you know, really believing in Priscilla Cachoeira, but plus two hundred. I, I thought I'd take a shot. First fight of the year. Let me get in with a little plus two hundo cash. Kick off twenty twenty three right, baby. I mean, I think either way, one of us will cash. Hopefully both, but I think it's either this thing's going the distance or Cachoeira knocks her out early. So it's one of us will hit the first bet of the year. Love it. That's and, and that's it. And now we're now we're that's on. it. That's all. One last one last thing that I did think about: uh, Umar Nurmagomedov sub plus four hundred. Stupid bet. It's not stupid. I would want that price to be more than plus four hundred. Hey, only never been finished. But I mean, like you, you like, can you like confidently play a minus eleven hundred and like not be like this dude's just gonna finish him in the first round? Like you're depending on a decision. You have to. You're having to trust the judges with a minus eleven hundred. No, no, no. Yeah, no. I don't think it's stupid to do this up four hundred, but not. Won't be my bet. Can we also use this last moment to say? As we come into this year, I know you talk to DK. You know you talk you talk to the, to the kings of of MMA gambling. Can can they please start giving us some bonus props? I desperately want to be betting on things like who will win fight of the night. Give me those options, draft. Oh, games. okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, I can put it in their ear. Are they going to listen to me? I don't know. Some books have done it historically. Don't see it that much anymore. I don't, none of I have access to. Uh, those were just my favorite bets to just be like, all right, this is going to be fire tonight. Here we've got a performance of the night bonus. Give me, give me some options, some options to say this fighter is going to win a performance of the night bonus. Open up the 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 opportunity for me to give you more money, DraftKings. It's all I'm asking for. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, uh, I can throw it out there. Their big thing right now is the same game parlays. They are, they love those. I mean, who doesn't love a SGP? You know. Get, get out I mean? there, get after him. Just moved uh, from New York to New Jersey, and my my uh, my prop market has has widened. Oh, has it? Okay. Very much so. New York was incredibly limited. So, SGP, my situation. I'm about to be throwing in some some samesies coming in 2023. Love to hear that. But um, that's it, my man. I think that's we can wrap it, it, dude. That's it. Let's let's go ahead and wrap this one up. It. I feel like a little underwhelmed. Like I feel a little underwhelmed. It's it's a four o'clock start. It's in the apex. Don't love the entire slate of the card. You know, I'm gonna have that down. We're gonna have fun. We're gonna watch it. We're gonna enjoy. But I feel like we're really gonna kick this thing off in front of that Brazilian crowd next week. Two oh, title yeah. fights, pay-per-view, big time money. Um, I'm looking forward to two eighty three. I'm looking forward to breaking that one down. So uh that's yeah. it for now. Go dogs. Uh, and we'll see you next week for UFC 283 Rio de Janeiro. We we'll love you guys. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.